Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running. It's another wet one for heaven's sakes. Golly, it's wet. It's wetter down than it is up. So the soil is certainly saturated. We continue to receive rain. Had uh, some really interesting rain occurrences throughout the week. Boy, howdy, we're off and running. You know, another about two and a half weeks ago, we were talking about the drought. Yeah, how dry it was. Well, if you don't think Mother Nature balances the scales, here we go. And uh, we are definitely there. Uh, we have two hours today. Uh, one o'clock brings your retirement professionals. So until then, this is the Camelx Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby at the helm. We are cruising down the beautiful Mississippi River, and we are taking your calls. Everything about your home, your buildings, your health, family's health, all those things related to living inside some sort of a structure. Whether it's a doghouse for your dog, a birdcage for your bird, a house for you, business building for your work life, or maybe just uh, your home for your work life, all that we can talk about right here on CAMWEX. Lots of things to talk about, and indeed plenty of things going on. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Two full hours, the topic is you. Bring on your questions. I promise to answer these questions, everyone, to the best of my ability. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. This is our 75th year, founded in 1947 by my father, and I guess I've been on KMOX about 25 years, heard Mike Miller uh, talking about his uh, tenure, and, and I congratulate Mike. Mike's been here a little longer than I have. By golly, I'll tell you what, best thing that ever happened to the Mosby Yard and Garden was following up Mike Miller on KMOX. My goodness, that green thumb was contagious. Um, my wife and I have brown thumbs. We aren't exactly the best uh, gardeners, if you will. Uh, love yard work, if you will, but golly. I needed Mike's help, and just hanging out with him on overlaps in the early years sure changed my uh, yard. Phone lines here. We can talk about this and all the things related in between 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I suspect we've got some yard drainage, some sloping, some downspout drains, some underground pipes, things plugged up, anything backing up, wet basements, uh, downspouts that just uh, overrun the pipe under the ground, any lack of maintenance that you've had on gutters, downspouts, underground piping systems for that gutter water, roof water, any flashing roof problems, ventilation. Boy, howdy, they're all there. A 314-436-7900, and 800-925-1120. All those things we can talk about right here on KMOX. So, with the rain coming, and it's coming back here just in the next few days. I heard with uh, Brian Kelly, it's about to happen. We've got some heat, uh, air conditioning, humidity, dehumidification, uh, wet basements, drying those basements out, setting fans, maybe running the blower motor on your air conditioner unit, your furnace unit, uh, the air handler, which is the thing with the big blower in it. And the air handler is a way to just say the metal box that holds the fan that moves the air in a forced air system. So whether you stick an air conditioning cooling coil in there to make that air cooler during the summer, or whether you have a furnace 
uh, heat exchanger on a heat pump or uh, fired, gas-fired, oil-fired, any kind of fuel, electrical as well. The uh, air handler is the thing that blows the air past that heat source and moves the air around the house. Well, now we can talk about alternative heating and cooling methods because there there are a lot of ways to um, make some of these systems more and better and higher efficiency. And we'll talk about those throughout the two hours. But let's let's not miss the easy stuff, the uh, low-hanging fruit, as it's called. Anything around your home that needs attention, that needs maintenance, and, and I promise you, after these rains in the last two weeks, uh, something needs attention. Uh, 314-436-7900, we'll discuss it. I'll give you my best. But really, take a walkabout on your house. Uh, inspect what you expect. Uh, look at the roof. Make sure there are no logs or debris or things growing out of your gutters. And unlikely for that, because with all the torrential rainfall we've had here in this uh, month, my golly, in, in the past month, uh, it's probably flushed out any debris in your gutters by either overflowing or down the downspouts or all the methods thereof, uh, including some leaks throughout the house and things like that. 314-436-7900, we'll talk about that. Walkabout, go outside, look at the roof, look at the chimney, look at the flashing gutters, downspouts, uh, pay attention to the windows. Windows are so easy to not worry about because we seldom have leaks or whatever unless we do the obvious leak, leave the window open in a rainstorm, things like that. Um, And there will be cool mornings when we can open up those windows and exchange the air because once we close up the house, there are just so many um, building materials, uh, furnishings, things that we bring in and out, packaging for groceries that bring in off-gassing plastic things that affect the indoor air quality in our house. So open it up, good old-fashioned, open the windows, air it out, breeze it through. Uh, that's important in the Midwest because, you know, keeping the house closed up all the time, every time, you know, those off-gassing carpets, off-gassing fabrics from furnitures, car- uh Um, cabinetry, cabinetry finishes, paint on walls. Some of these things dry, cure, or off-gas as it is for years. So just keep that in mind and and why I'm a big proponent of lifting the windows, opening the windows up, changing the air with the screens. Do it when it's cool in the morning or right after a rainstorm when the rain just actually washes the air for you. Uh, You know the smell, you know the feeling, and you know it when it's too hot or too cold. So uh, anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We've been at this for 75 years. Gosh, I've been on KMOX for a better part of a quarter century just sharing my curiosity. People describe me as an expert. I consider myself a student. The more I learn, the more curious I am, the crazier the questions are that I ask, and the further I have to travel to find um, an answer that's beyond my knowledge base. So my job is really to bring this back to St. Louis, bring this back to Missouri, the Midwest, share it with you here on KMOX, and that pretty much describes my role at Mosby Building Arts as kind of the walking library. Uh, people turn questions to me occasionally, and I my job is give them the best mix of the current technology Uh, because asbestos used to be the greatest thing since sliced bread till it started killing people. 
Well, asbestos is still a phenomenal material, but we learn maybe it's not the right thing to put in and around uh, our houses, our buildings, um, our pipes, our furnaces. It's not good for respiratory systems, uh, animal or human. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Also, we are in unique times for uh, the economy, the world, geopolitical, weather systems, all that going on, and simple things like where do I go to work? What does work look like now? What systems do I have to add to my home so that I can do this work from home as we go back to what's called the hybrid where we're a little bit at the work and we're a little bit at home? Or for me, I, I'm always out and about. I'm very seldom in an office. And, uh, you know, that's kind of my role in today. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby, KMOX, University of KMOX. Come on in. Have a seat. There's plenty of room here in the classroom. You can move on up here. This is not like church. You, you don't get, uh, you know, sideways stairs if you're sitting too close to the pastor. I don't have that kind of credibility. I'm just a bloke that did tools that knows how to fix stuff. So we'll talk about that right here on KMOX. I'm going to take a short pause as we come back for more after this on University of KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we're getting the phone lines fired up, ready to go. Bosco, my pet gerbil, is on the treadmill firing up as much electricity as he can muster to see if we can get this 50,000 watts of KMOX blowtorch message out and about. We have a little bit of help from Ameren, but Bosco carries most of the freight, and, uh, you know, I have to give him a treat every now and again, a little raisin, you know, whatever, uh, make him really happy. Uh, let's talk to my friend Mary and see what's happening with her this morning. Mary, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, and how may I help? Hi, we have uh, questions, several questions about attic insulation. Our home was built in the 1930s, and we have pink fiberglass insulation, and then they blew some more in in 19, about 89 or 90 by the previous owner. Okay. So the insulation does come up to the top of the uh, floor joist. So okay. do we need more? Or when do, how do we know when we need more? Um, probably you would need more. If it's coming to the top of the floor joist on that, Mary, <clears throat> generally uh, those are only 6 inches or 8 inches tall. Fiberglass for an R30 needs about 13, 14 inches generally in a blown uh, situation. And generally we like to get to close to an R40. So for a house built in the 1930s, um, most of those ceiling rafters, which is the floor of the attic, they're just not that deep. So when you look up in an attic that's usually uh, properly insulated or fully insulated, all you see is a big fluffy blanket of fiberglass. And it does okay. settle, you know, over time. Yeah. So adding some and having this in the 30s, that wasn't the original insulation. So in the 30s, there right. was nothing pink uh, that was on the market. Mm -hmm. So they've covered up something, which is good. And then they blew some more over the top of that. So you're heading in the right direction. I would talk to an insulation contractor, have them come and survey the home and make some suggestions and, uh, okay. be, you know, be prepared for, you know, conversations about a lot of things. So do you recommend more of the fiberglass or that spray foam that goes up into the eaves? 
I prefer the fiberglass. Once you're that deep into the fiberglass, unless you're really um, changing something significant, you're putting in a vaulted ceiling, you're framing a new, you know, attic part or ceiling or room, mm-hmm. uh, that's when you want to check in and see what the other options are. But you, so far, it sounds like you've got good insulation going. It looks like you need a little more. Um, mm-hmm. And they will talk in terms of R, like R30 or R40. Um, they may say inches, but make them translate that into R values so that they're delivering some language okay. that you want. You know, th- what does 13 inches of blown, you know, fiberglass mean to me? It's like, uh, okay, yeah. what do I? How much am, am I getting in net value to the consumer? So, don't don't be afraid to ask dumb questions. I do it all the time. <laughs> And then I have one more question. We have two vents um, in the attic at each end of the house, and it's like sixteen to 1,700 square feet. Do we need to add more vents or a fan or anything, do you think? Perfect question for the insulation company. If you have somebody okay. that just sells insulation, they won't want to talk about attic ventilation. Find somebody else. Uh, if you get do you have somebody, any recommendations? And, and, yeah, you're, please call Mosby Building Arts. We keep we keep a list of people that have those conversations. I mean, we we buy a lot of construction services, being general contractors and our architects. So we're using people all the time, and you know, some fall from grace and some stay strong. So I I would say call our office at three one four nine zero nine eighteen hundred, and we have a referral list that we do for that. Typically, just Perfect. for the CamoX listeners, because you know we're we're buying insulation from somebody all the time. Sure. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for your yeah, and, information. And on that attic insulation, Mary, if they're mm-hmm. fluent in attic insulation, you've had the right one because if they can talk about the ventilation, the insulation, the baffles, you know, the soffit, all that stuff, that's really a full service company. And if they're just going to mm-hmm. sell you insulation without really talking about the ventilation, you know, well, the purpose of ventilation is keep the insulation dry and performing well. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I want to go to the doctor, but I don't want him looking at my two arms. Like, what? <laughs> right. That's where the arthritis is. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yep. Good luck, All Mary. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye. And, it, and it's interesting because over the years – the more companies um, broaden their services, it's, it, it sounds like oh, they're just trying to increase their business. Well, in reality, at least for us at Mosby Building Arts, we were just trying to get control of the pieces that weren't contributing to the net result. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're the general, general contractor. We're the architects. We're the designer. We're supposed to get this stuff right. Well, if you're only adding insulation but not doing ventilation or, you know, insulating the eaves or getting the gutters properly you know, installed so you don't have ice damming and, the, you know, yada, 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 all that stuff. So uh, you can just keep asking questions about it. And the dumber the questions are, the more you learn about how much information and how experienced you, your contractor is. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, don't know too much because you can find out who knows what outside there. If you think you know something and you missed asking the question because you already know it, you might discover that, you know, the contractor you're talking to doesn't know it either. So uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy Gene. Hey, Gene, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you here? Uh, Since this heavy rain the last two weeks, 
I've had rain in the basement from several hairline cracks, and I've had five bids now to get them fixed. Mm-hmm. And each one uh, gives gives me um, a different choice. There are three choices, and I don't know which one's the best. The first one is the epoxy uh, okay. solution, and the second one was a urethane solution, mm-hmm. and the third one was a fabric patch with urethane. And I would like to know which you would use in your house and why. Okay. Good question. Frankly, um, a lot of things happen in here. <coughs> Excuse me. Epoxy injection. Epoxy was the early technology. Epoxy basically sticks to anything. The way they do this is they put this stuff over the crack. They put these little ports. They look like little witch's hat on the wall. And then they blow um, isopropyl alcohol in because if they put water in then it makes the concrete wet and the uh, epoxy won't stick so again just like a paint job if they're properly uh, preparing that crack then any injection that they put in there epoxy is really good stuff Um, it's very hard it's very strong and it's really easy for those companies to say we will um, guarantee that crack repair for 30 years or forever well epoxy is 9,000 psi strength so it's really really strong it's about three times the strength of concrete if it's properly prepared that epoxy isn't going to break but it might break two inches to the right because the 3,000 psi or 3,500 psi concrete strength might fail over there epoxy is brittle it's hard it's like a piece of glass so it is a really good crack injector urethane is the next generation urethane flexes and breathes and kind of exhales and inhales so it has all the advantages of epoxy it's not quite as strong but it's it's still stronger than concrete so i like the urethane a lot Uh, when you're getting a fabric proposal with this then that's the fabric may mean that they suspect there's other stress points on that foundation and it may fail because a fabric is nothing more than a reinforcing uh, layer. Uh, so uh, it could be a way to uh, reinforce that foundation uh, and it may be a way to um, raise the reliability of the crack. And the more stuff I do to that crack, the higher reliability it is. Whether I need all that for a warranty um, is debatable. So you're actually the fabric one. They're putting in a crack repair and they're putting on this reinforcing fabric, uh, which is just kind of like a you know an undergarment for us. It's another layer of of support or whatever. So just keep in mind, it's just an a plus crack repair thing but generally not related to fixing the crack. So which one would you pick? Just the urethane one? Yep, usually I do. And unless I can get the one, you know, why are you proposing this fabric thing? You know, because that fabric thing's pretty pricey if it's, you know, if it's the uh, carbon fiber. That's that's expensive materials. So, uh, I will say that generally I I I like the urethane. Okay. That's I I was so undecided not knowing. Well, so I'd go back and ask those dumb questions. I'd ask those questions. I, I would turn that same uh, question to all three of them and just say, do you mind chatting with me for a few uh, minutes and see? Well, each you know, one stuck up for their own 
they thought theirs was the best. And so well, of course it they did. really well, didn't help oh, <laughs> when no. I asked that question. Well, uh, epoxy will work. It's not as good as urethane. Urethane is a few bucks more, but it's all the same um, uh, process. And in reality, you are buying a future relationship with a company. So don't get too hung up on the work they're doing. You're Check buying on the company. What, pardon me? Make sure the company is reliable. Is Amen. It? Because that's, because any warranty they give, you know, lifetime warranty, well, is that the lifetime of my company before we go bust in two years? Or, you know, so keep in mind, you are marrying a company that is either, either capable and worthy of delivering a warranty or not. So you are uh, choosing a foundation partner to back up their claims. I appreciate your your help. Thank you so much. Good questions, Gene. You're doing well. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Home improvement. We are off and running. Golly, attic and basement started with, uh, golly, the hat on the head and the uh, foundation feet, uh, shoes on the bottom. Uh, and very good questions. My gosh, we're uh, um, glad to help, by the way. I know what it's like to be a confused consumer because uh, little information is tough and sometimes good information um, when buried in the middle of a whole bunch of words, kind of like a radio show, good information can get missed or not realize how important that little bit was. You know, for example, like Gene saying, well, I did talk to him. They all said the same thing again. Okay, well, then you're choosing a company because even if I have the best technology, but I'm not around to deliver the warranty, or maybe you have another crack that develops down the wall and you've already got this fountain, you know, this relationship built up with a company, that's that's pretty good because every interaction is an opportunity to mess up. So whenever you hire a contractor or a company and they either win or lose or come through or don't, you have more information on whether you want to keep that relationship alive or not. Phone lines up in here, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. We're on KMOX. I'm going to take a short pause and be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Back together, home improvement. It's a hot and close one here. It's uh, one of those humid days with all the rain and the wet soil, uh, saturated soil to be uh, more specific. You know, it is close in the old Midwest St. Louis reference days. Uh, Let's go to the phone lines and talk with Craig. Craig, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help you, my friend? Yes, Scott. uh, I enjoy your program every week. Um, Last week, a gentleman called in and asked ask you about removing what he called was a trap on his air conditioning system that, yes. he's, that he's supposed to clean out every year. And I think you advised him that no, that trap was there because of Legionnaire's disease, yes. which was about 15, 20 years ago. Um, and we, our system will be 32 years old, heating and air conditioning, later wow. this month. And wow. we were looking for... A new system, so I know nothing about a trap or, or having to clean something out for Legionnaire's disease. I didn't yeah. know that the home air conditioning systems could produce that. So I was, I was wondering if you could explain that, and do all new systems require this trap because of, of the uh, various codes? 
Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and and for many, many years, <clears throat> it was uh, avoided. So the trap wasn't there because the water drains more uh, freely. Uh, it plugs up less often. Well, then this whole Legionnaire's disease came back a year later, two years. They figured out what it was and, you know, were able to educate the uh, industry, heating and cooling industry mostly, that, you know, what we need to keep the air from that nasty drain pipe from air flowing back into the air handler and then being distributed throughout the house. So they all this thing is is a simple either loop on a clear plastic uh, flexible tube which uh, makes a tra- which traps a little slug of water in the tube blocking any air passage back and forth or it's a, a U-shaped a trap, which is just a U-shaped uh, pipe that has water standing in it all the time. And when the new drain comes in, it, it raises and pushes it back up and drains out. Because of the slow-moving nature of that and the amount of dust that flows around inside of an air system and inside of a house, that condensate line gets plugged up and re- it requires being cleaned You know, once a year, generally. Um, and if you replace this system... Uh, I guarantee I, I would be very surprised if any current heating and cooling company did not put a trap or a loop on the end of that uh, drain. Uh, and it looks different, especially for you that's been looking at one for 32 years. You know, this thing shows up, they put in this new whiz-bang thing, and now there's this new weird-looking thing hanging. You know, so it's usually cause for a question. Right. And uh, I, I think most any good company would definitely put that trap or loop in there. Okay, I, I used to, I used to put or always put vinegar or sometimes bleach through that hose that would drain to the floor drain from the air conditioner just to make sure that that was always cleaned out. But yeah. that's something different, I guess. No, it's your instinct. I mean, you know, where there's smoke, where there's fire, it's like, well, there's a pipe coming out that looks really nasty, and that's connected to the breathing air in my house. So, I mean, your kind of simple instincts were very true and and valuable so you're doing the right thing even once you get a trap on this thing keep doing that right okay uh yeah listen we we've used uh had a representative from your company come out last year and we got some good advice and we've uh about a year and a half ago or two years ago now we had kila tech uh uh use that poly system to level a uh patio in the back and it worked fine and uh last year we had them put in a a dehumidifier, one of those powerful ones, instead of those little units you can buy at the box stores, and it really made a big difference. Well, I'll bet you're appreciating that right now with all the rain and wet basements and such, so good good choice on your part. Very good. Appreciate uh, your show and all the good advice. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glad to help, Craig. Home Improvement, KMOX. Let's see who's been waiting the longest here. I'm trying to be uh, um, courteous to the those that call early. Let's talk to my buddy, Ron. Hey, Ron, good morning on this Saturday. How can I help you, my friend? Good morning, Scott. I have a question. Uh, you were talking about basements earlier, and I got more questions in regards to uh, the concrete wall in the basement um, in regards to covering with uh, drywall. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, first thing, uh, if you don't have any indication of any water leakage coming through the wall or the, the concrete wall, is there mm-hmm. any need uh, to seal that 
uh, concrete wall before you go any further? Uh, I say generally yes, mostly because you can't get to it for the next 30 years. So uh, the answer may be no, you don't need to, but I'll tell you how you can find out. Um, Ron, if you just get a Ziploc bag or a piece of clear polyethylene plastic, could be a uh, uh, dry cleaner's bag, but something that you just tape to the wall of the foundation, you can put it on chest height, you know, just no big deal, but tape at all four sides with a good tape, uh, either a really good masking tape or duct tape, something, but seal up all four sides. And if there truly is no moisture coming through that wall, you will not get any water droplets in there. But if there is migrating water vapor, and concrete is porous, so water moves through it, air moves through it, it does get wet, it does get dry, uh, but that's the way to find out. And the lower on the wall you do it, the more uh, probable you'll find some sort of condensation water droplet building up inside of that four-sided sealed plastic thing. Okay, so it sounds like it might be a good idea to maybe do it in more than one spot like that. Just Can't to... hurt, but uh, but likewise that now, you know, do I need to seal it? Well, you know, if one is good, I'll test three more times is better. So that's the same logic. Typically... Mm-hmm. I just like to put some dry lock on the wall or something like that that's kind of a, a paint-applied waterproofer just because I can. Not because I need to, but just because I can, because what I think is happening may not be true. Uh, and the the good news right now is with the saturated soil, uh, you're going to get a really good read on that plastic uh, taped-on thing because, yeah, okay. if, it's not, if it's not leaking now, it probably won't ever. Okay. Uh, next question is uh, in regards to insulation. Uh, what would be preferable in regards to either the, the rolled fiberglass or sheets of styrofoam on against the concrete wall? Uh, typically, I like unfaced uh, fiberglass. First off, I don't want to put something in that is a food source. So where cellulose is a, actually a better insulating product, it, even though in its treated form, <clears throat> I'm just not a big fan unless it's really real. So if I'm above grade, if it's a if it's a stud wall on the back of the basement, then I have no trouble with cellulose. But I would rather use glass, something that really doesn't rot or whatever. Uh, the problem with fiberglass or glass insulation is the trapped air, and if it gets wet, that then that moisture starts molding and growing and stinking and all that. But that's from the moisture. So I like unfaced fiberglass for below-grade applications. Or if I'm really looking for high performance, then I'd do a spray foam or a rigid sheet, something like that. But generally, when you're below-grade, it's more of an isolation issue than it is insulation. You know, I mean, the soil insulates grand, you know, very effectively for for the bottom half of the wall. You're really just insulating the top. So I... You know, I typically will, you know, put a waterproof or membrane, you know, just a paint applied material just because I can, uh, and then unfaced fiberglass. But it's not uncommon if you're on a really dry place or frame walls on the back. You can do spray foam. You can do sprayed wet applied cellulose. You can use any anything because it, you know, it's just you need good siding on the house. So you, you prefer that over... Uh, using like sheets of the styrofoam that you see in the hardware store all the time? No, I would like the sheets. That's even better, especially if you can put it on behind 
the uh, stud wall to where you literally put it up seamless to where you have truly oh. an overcoat on that, that would be the best. But you need to use either the pink Owens Corning or the blue Dow. Both of those are suitable for below-grade application. And even okay. though you're inside a, a finished structure, that's the point. So that would even act more like a vapor barrier, too? Yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. And that gets glued right onto the concrete. And the issue with that is you don't have all those little joints at the studs and all that. That's why, you know, you basically wallpaper the wall with this stuff. And then uh-huh. you build your stud walls up. You do have to flash it up at the top where that 2 by 4 plate is on the ceiling because that uh, styrofoam is not a fire block. If, a, if fire starts inside that frame wall, it should not have the ability to escape and get up into the floor joist. So you need to cap the top of that wall with like a 2x4, 2x6, or sheet metal. You okay. follow where I'm going there? Okay, next question is in regards to the type of drywall. Since it's in the basement, uh, would you go, instead of using standard drywall, would you want need to go to like what they call the green or the purple which would be more mold resistant no no in in contrary i really wanted to i wanted to to breathe so latex paint breathes oil paint doesn't um i would want that fiberglass to get the ability to get rid of moisture if it ever came out so no i would not want um a a non-vented wall cavity you follow where i'm going so standard drywall will allow moisture to move through it the green board stuff is just not necessary and not even advised because you're going to have it really can't dry itself to the soil side so you're really creating a situation where you want if there's wall cavity moisture you want it to come out of that and breathe and dry out into the basement oh okay because i had read online that that the green and the purple were um, more mold resistant. So I thought being in a basement, that would be preferable, but you're saying it doesn't really breathe in that case. Right, right. And they are mold uh, resistant and all, but that's for a shower or plaster or outdoor application where, I mean, golly, 60% of the air is full of moisture today on a 60% relative humidity. So once you get outside the house, that's where I would go to that purple stuff in a heartbeat just because it's, it's... so any place where you have uh, direct moisture yeah. and in contact with it, that you would want to go to that type. So just stay with yes. the standard. And and yeah. what what is a half inch normally the thickness? Uh, yes, sixteen inches on center. So if you get twenty four inches on center, then you need to go to either thicker drywall, stronger drywall, which is the fire code stuff, which is like a piece of plywood. But mm-hmm. when you have your studs sixteen inches on center, half inch drywall is plenty good. Okay. I think you answered all my questions, and Mike, thank you very much. Okay, Listen, take care. Program nice talking time. to you, Ron. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Take a short pause. We'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Let's get right to the phone line here and talk with my buddy, Bernie. Hey, Bernie, good morning. Can we do this in a couple of minutes? Hello, Bernie, are you there? Yeah, Scott, it's Ernie, not Bernie. Oh, Ernie, my apologies. Fat fingers, pardon me. Hey, Scott, uh, question. My basement floor drain is used just for my air conditioner condensation. Yep. It's plugged up. Yep. Uh, I was wanting to try to do something myself, 
They get three up. Uh, yep, any suggestions? Yeah, it's probably lint. If you've got a floor drain that's slow moving, um, just even a toilet plunger, take the um, grate off and fill it with water uh, and just use a toilet plunger and push it past because most likely you've got dirt and fiber in that P-trap very close to that. Your instinct is right on, Bernie. Uh, you're not going to blow that pipe apart, and if you will, it'll be because it's already rusted out. So low risk, um, even you know shoving a garden hose down there, although kind of messy on a backed-up pipe. Uh, yeah, it's pretty low-tech, uh, low-risk. Uh, I'd give it a try for sure. So you think just lint now it's not used yep. for anything else but the air conditioner. Yep, yep. I mean, it, all that air gets dirt in it from your house, then into your ductwork, then into your condensate drain, then down that pipe, and, it, you know, years of that stuff. Uh, uh, you know, there's probably... It's probably dust clogged or mud clogged, but likely nothing really formidable. And and if it is, you know, then you call the sewer guy after giving it a try yourself. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. Good question, Bernie. Thank you. Take care. Home, home improvement. And again, a lot of things around this condensate AC drain line that uh, it, it's that answer that Bernie just a- or Ernie just asked about. What is common with laundry floor drains, too. So if you have a washing machine that goes into a trap or floor drain, uh, they commonly get uh, cotton fibers and fabric fibers, and that's plugged up the drain. Well, we've got Hour 2 coming up here on KMOX right after the news, weather, and sports. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, welcome back. Hour 2 KMOX Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby at your service here on KMOX. One more hour till we go up to 1 o'clock. Your Retirement Professionals is next. Your Retirement Professionals. Cards face the Yankees, as mentioned by Brian. 6.50 tonight. Pre-game show, 5.20. Big day here on KMOX. Stay tuned. Lots happening. Uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I enjoy being here. I've been here for quite a bit of time. I enjoy learning and sharing what I know and the various inconsistencies with technology getting sometimes too far ahead and too far behind of what uh, what's around it. For example, uh, if you invent the greatest things since sliced bread, but you don't train the craft skills, the craft people to, to install those things, then you create a tremendous amount of value that gets destroyed during the installation or construction process. So that kind of describes my, my whole job description right now, is making sure all parts work together well. And, you know, the bad news is, is they don't. Somebody's always behind the curve because the, uh, the the research and development of manufacturers can sometimes outrun that creativity can outrun the ability to back train uh, craftsmen that have been doing this for ten, twenty, thirty, forty years. So uh, it's a full time job just to maintain training. Uh, I own Mosby Building Arts. Uh, this is our seventy fifth year, and uh, we are effectively a training organization uh, because it only matters what the consumer gets installed in its best mix 
of training, of uh, uh, trade skills, uh, materials, and wise design and interface. So, uh, frankly, we're a design-build company because we want to make all those dissimilar pieces dissimilar languages, uh, different companies, different manufacturers, literally hundreds of thousands of individual pieces. We just want them to work together the best way they can. And just knowing the best opportunity for that is a full-time job. Uh, we're talking about that and more here on KMOX, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Excuse me. Scott Mosby here. We've got some great callers, great questions. And a very patient Janet, so I want to go right to our phone lines and get going and, and speak with her. Janet, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime here on KMWX. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, recently, we learned that the flashing around our chimney was installed incorrectly, and we've had several companies come out to give us a bid to replace it, and each company has a different way of installing it. What is your suggestion as to the proper method of installing new flashing? Oh, gosh, that, there are a hundred different ways depending upon the chimney and all. But frankly, anybody putting flashing on your roof should remove the shingles around that chimney a good bit because that flashing has to interface back underneath the shingles in the right sequence. And frankly, the shingles are the last part to go on. Uh, what I think you're asking is counter flashing and caulking versus mortar and step flashing. Is that kind of I, where you're going? I think that's it, yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I have been in heated debates with many Mosby craftsmen over exactly this issue. And before the caulking materials were as they are today... Um, uh, we still, I like the step flashing, the counter flashing that has the step. I, I like the craftsmanship. I like the look of that. Uh, I like the copper if I can afford it. Um, but even in the brake metal aluminum, I like the step counter. The problem is, is it takes most almost a day more to flash that way as opposed to just running a piece of metal up the chimney and caulking it. Well, so for me... And I've given this a lot of thought over the years as I travel throughout the country. Anything that looks like somebody worked hard at it and they cared is a gratifying visual experience for me. But, I, you know, I'm a nuts and bolts, you know, wood carpenter guy. Uh, so I value the step flashing. The issue that you may be facing that I know we face is having the trade skills and the experience of how to bend that material and, you know, chew into the mortar um, and and be able to put in a stepped counter flashing. Uh, so it used to be the only way back when, but, that, but the caulks weren't that good. Um, so frankly, it's... Um, you know, it's it's basically you're going to drive a Chevy or you're going to drive a, uh, you know, BMW, Mercedes-Benz. So it's <laughs> it's a very different investment level. Both will work. Um, both can be visually uh, con uh, confirmed that, you know, they're still sealed up well. Uh, but the heated debates I've been in with, you know, our people at, at Mosby are, is a pliable caulk a better barrier between that brick and the metal than mortar is. So even now when we step flash, and we don't do that often because people aren't willing to pay for it unless we're matching, you know, similar situations. 
Um, so that step flashing, oftentimes at Mosby, we will caulk it with a high-quality urethane-type caulk in that void instead of using a mortar to fill into the uh, brick um, mortar joints. Okay. Does that address right, well, what you helpful. were asking? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, there's a hundred ways to skin, you know, the cat, a hundred ways to make bread and all that. But personally, um, it, it's like crown molding. When I look at crown molding and I see a simple crown molding, it's like, wow, there's some talent, some effort there, an artistic experience. Well, then I see a three-piece crown molding, it's like, whoa, those guys were artists. And then I see a seven-piece crown molding, it's like, oh, that, yeah. That's Da Vinci stuff. That's really talented. So, again, it's a different exchange. Likewise, um, for even step flashing, counter flashing on a roof. So that's kind of where I fall down on that one there is I, I just like good craftsmanship. Okay, thank you. Okay, Janet, take care. And I will say, in summary, um, that step flashing is seldom done because you can literally want run a piece of counter flashing on the roof, kind of lay it right there on the shingles, you know, bend a little uh, void to hold the pocket, to hold the caulk, and then put a nice urethane uh, caulk up there. That's pretty reliable. So even though it's not the look I like, sometimes in some materials, cleaner is better than the step flashing because it can look busy and uh, can draw, especially in copper, it can draw attention to a piece of the architecture that wasn't really intended to be a focal point. It just craftsmanship. So there, there you go, Janet. More than you ever wanted to know. <laughs> Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, we are live and lively. Hour two going up till uh, 1 o'clock today when we join uh, your retirement professionals at 1 o'clock right here on KMOX. My name, as I mentioned, Scott Mosby. Uh, own Mosby Building Arts. We've been at this uh, construction business in uh, two generations since 1947. I enjoy it. Uh, we are licensed architects. In the state of Missouri, uh, we have virtually every type of residential designer, certified kitchen designer, certified bath designer, aging in place, uh, everything you can imagine going down, as well as uh, we're what's called vertically integrated in business sense. Uh, We have most of those people necessary to perform those trade skills, uh, whether on the design front end from architect to selections, and it only matters in the aggregate how your project works Uh, you spend a lot of money on these projects you kind of expect all that big pile of building materials and trade skills to kind of make it all go together that's kind of how we're built because it is such a complex system now with the various technologies manufacturers materials all that stuff Um, we need to keep our tradesmen trained up to snuff and and able uh, as in equipment training and tools to be able to put it in in the right way uh, and that's how the consumer receives the greatest value for their dollars so it, it's not rocket science it's just like everything else it only matters that last tradesman at that last moment and um, if you recall it the, my goal on my company 40 years ago was to grow, grow the company to a place that I could be the guy in the pickup truck doing the labor cleanup of every job because they're two people that know what's going on on every job one is the paint crew because they touch just about every service surface and the other is the cleanup crew the cleaning people 
they touch and inspect virtually every surface. So uh, that was my goal. Uh, granted, I've never really had that job for many years, but that was the what I considered to be one of the more powerful positions in a company because they know what's going on. And, and to that point, Mosby Building Arts carries our own paint crew for the last 20 years just because of that, because the paint crew comes in and they know it all. They, they see a good miter, they see a not-so-good miter. They paint and prep and all that. Anyway, 314-436-7900, Scott Mosby Home Improvement, and we are here at your service on KMOX. And they're off and running around the first curve, and here comes uh, the phone call, and we're going to get right to David. David is in the lead. David, good afternoon. How can I help you here on KMOX? Yes, I have a question regarding roofing uh the material shingles products that are out there. Uh, I'm sure there's differences in quality and, uh, you know, use on those. What can you tell me kind of what would you recommend as far as like brands or things to look for? Well, uh, brands matter. Um, The more I get involved, frankly, it's what do you have to lose? So bigger companies tend to have a stronger brand, stronger track record. There's a reason they've been around for a while, um, and they have to back up their promises. And since they want to stay around for another 50, 100 years, they typically um, will design their product worthy of the warranty. Warranty is a business decision whether they're going to stand behind it or not. So I'm, I do like brands, and in roofing, it is so complex. Although the installation is more important, uh, even more important than just the installation is the interaction between products, features on the products, installation, and the crew being trained to put in that type of material because all the materials are different. So I tend to fall on uh, reputations, uh, warranty, and strength of the company because when you're buying a 30-year product, you're you're buying a relationship and you're pretty much marrying whoever it is made that stuff and put that in. So you're buying that roofing company and their ability and willingness to stay in business, to stand behind that warranty, as well as the manufacturer they choose to use for the materials on that. So it's, in a lot of cases, um, the material is kind of secondary. Uh, as a consumer, uh, I like brands, and I like the uh, warranty. I like to read the warranty. That you know, I, I love contracts because I can kind of see, I can peek behind the curtain. You know, you get a little bit of squirrely language in a contract it's like oh that's a little that's not i mean it's just a roof i i I want you to keep the water out of my house so i don't need all this weird language so i like straightforward warranties um and uh, speak in terms of 30-year warranty 35-year warranty non-prorated means they're going to stand behind it, period. Find out if they're uh, warrantying the labor as well. Uh, For example, what's kind of going down now in the whole roofing industry is, and and some of this is driven by the insurance companies that are buying most of the roofs in the United States. You know, we get a big weather occurrence, and all of a sudden, you know, one of the big insurance companies is buying, you know, 300,000 new roofs. Um, well, they want the reliability consumers do, so they're saying, okay, um, this brand has to be put in by a licensed and trained 
installation contractor, so they're trained in that particular brand and product line. Uh, so that's why the brands kind of matter to me. But as you read that warranty and get into how you interview various roofing companies, uh, it's it's about um, how simple the warranty is. Now, the more straightforward the warranty, the better it is, the more you're going to pay. So it, you're you know basically you're going to get flushed pretty pretty quickly to more costly uh, providers that. Uh, and what that means is the people that train their company, their employees, and stand behind the warranty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How am I doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, it, are there any, I guess there is though some difference in the actual products that are going on as far as from one end to the other of the spectrum? Yes, there are products that are price point focused. Mm-hmm. Their intention is to be the low cost producer. Um, when I'm putting um, a roof on my house or a skylight on my house, I don't want it to be the low-cost producer. Uh, when I go for medical services, I don't want it to be the low-cost producer. Uh, you know, so it's kind of a philosophy thing on who you're going to get involved with. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, I know I'm pretty far up there, 30,000 feet, not really getting down to specifics, yeah. but you can find out pretty much. Um, in a good interview process with companies, uh, whether you know, it's like, well, I've heard about this brand. Oh, well, that'll cost you more. Well, why are you proposing this one? Well, it costs less. It's like, oh, why does it cost less? Well, mm-hmm. the warranty isn't as good. You know, so you know that's where I love dumb questions. You know, <laughs> I don't want to mm-hmm. know too yeah. much. Yeah, I understand. Okay, well, I appreciate your information on that. Thank you. Yeah, David, uh, trust your gut, um, on a, a, but, but do your homework, and this is a consumer value. Um, you're going to put more time into choosing and having a roof put on than you ever thought, because if you don't ask all those questions up front and really do a thorough search, then you buy the wrong guy, he puts in a bad roof, and now a year and a half later, you're putting in twice as much information and time and money as had you done it the first time. So your best time to avoid a future problem is right now doing good homework, selecting a good company, and, and you know, going to that consumer market, you know, informed. So, you know, it's going to okay. cost you time either way. One is up front with a good performance, and the other is if you underinvest your time on the front or, or don't choose somebody that will do it for you, then you're back, mm-hmm. you know, trying to breathe life into a dead roof, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're we're working on several right now from a some, from a hailstorm. So I wanted to kind of get some ideas up front. Thank you. Yeah, and and be aware, you may choose a better roof than the insurance company is willing to replace because um, you may want a better looking roof. So. Be open to adding some money to that because the contractual mm-hmm. responsibility of an insurance company is to make you whole, put you back with a roof that was there. Right. Well, you may want a better looking roof or a different color roof or architectural or something, you know, but they're going to pay the lion's share of the cost. So be open to, you know, you as the consumer, uh, can I add this? Can I add that? You know, you can always say no. Mm-hmm. We're definitely upgrading some to architectural that weren't on some rental property, yeah. and um, you know, and looking at probably upgrading the brand, the initial brand the builder put on. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that and that's a I'm whole sure they were cost issue. conscious. Amen, brother. There you go. One hundred percent. Okay, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Take care, David. Good questions. Bye-bye. Scott Mosby, home improvement at your service. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's see what's cooking here. I'm going to take a short pause. And come right back for more after this on KMOX. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, busy day, lots to talk about, rain falling out of the sky, rain coming up from the ground, holy smokes, it's coming from everywhere, we've got more coming next week, so beware. Let's talk with my friend Ann, Ann, good afternoon, welcome to KMOX, how can I help? Hello, Ann. hang on a minute, pardon my fingers, let's see if we get Ann on here. Ann, are you still there? Oh. Hi, yep, there we yes go. I am, hi Thanks, Scott. Ann, my mistake, excuse me please. Okay, good. Um, yeah, we had uh, have a. Uh, I came in on the end of the conversation you had with the lady at the beginning of the show. Uh, I think she had it, maybe a crack. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she was going to have it filled from the inside yes. um, with either the urethane or this. She's asking about this carbon yeah. mesh stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was from the inside. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, our crack um, is on a, a wall underneath a window. We have a split-level home, so it's the the window is there, and then the wall itself is below grade, <clears throat> about three feet down, and then the footing. And okay. so the crack is uh, horizontal, and <clears throat> it goes the length of the wall, which is about 14 feet long. Okay. And so I took some drywall off where it had been leaking uh, down at the baseboard on the inside and and we saw the rebar had cracked through probably way back when the home was built in 1972 because um, they patched it with concrete that's patched. I took off about at least a four foot length of drywall and so we had several reputable companies come out look at it and my choice and they would be from the side or the outside um, my choice was the outside, mm-hmm. and I picked a company. Uh, one company just was going to tar it down to the crack, which was 18 inches, about 18 inches below the window. Mm-hmm. Another company, which we picked, um, actually they do advertise on Camo X, mm-hmm. was going to do a product called Melrol, M-E-L-R-O-L. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that product or not, but it's a... Um, it's called a polymeric, polymeric um, <clears throat> waterproofing. Um, yeah. It looks like black tar <laughs> behind it, and then a polyethylene film over that. And they they put they put some kind of a chemical on the wall. Anyway, we had it done <laughs> the Saturday before it rained really heavy, uh-huh. and. Um, They dug it out, and they put this up, the chemical first, and then this mel roll, and um, they put all the dirt back, and um, I thought, well, Tuesday, that Tuesday when it rained, this will be a test. And, mm-hmm. of course, they said, it, it, it'll never leak again, and if it, if it does, you know, it's lifetime warranty even to the next homeowner. Mm-hmm. And um, it leaked a little bit. 
I know if we hadn't had that done prior to it, I know we probably would have had a flood in our, you know, with as much rain. Because I've, I've had to use a shop vac for for some rains, and that's why we wanted we had to we just had to have it done. Um, So anyway, it did leak Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I called the guy. He says, "Well, um, maybe because the product wasn't yet." It was Saturday, and then it rained really heavy Tuesday. And he said, I'll come in, and we'll put, we'll um, make sure the top part is all caulked and everything like that, and we'll look for the next rain. Well, the, actually, the company, there's a representative from this company in, in the St. Louis area, so they gave me his name. Mm-hmm. He said that really before the dirt was replaced, Scott, he said it should have been covered with some kind of a covering, and <clears throat> that would protect the membrane, that polyethylene thing that's over this. Sure. Anyway, yeah. my guy, supplier, the guy that did the work, supplier said, "We, you know, we don't, we don't feel that like that's necessary unless you're going to backfill with gravel, right. and then it might get scratched." My mm-hmm. my conundrum, I guess, is this: <laughs> I really don't want. He said you got to have this dug up and it has to have that protection put on it and push it back and, and you're good to go. He said, we won't warranty it. This is the company that makes the product. The guy that put it in is going to back it up with his warranty. But like you said, if he's out of business 10 years from now and well, I go I to can... sell the house, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can tell you what likely failed on a, an application like that. The product okay. is probably fine. It, it's probably intact, in good shape. But when you're sticking something to a substrate, especially a concrete foundation that's covered with dirt and all kinds of contaminants and dust, you're down in a hole of dirt already. Yes, um, sir. That Melro product or any adhesive-type product, whether you're on a roof or a wall, uh, it is the adhesion to that concrete that has likely has a void or gap, and it could be all the way down to the footing. So let's pretend this stuff all worked just right. Well, down at the very bottom where this thing hits the footing, uh, you know, all you can do is kind of caulk it or, tar- you know, I mean, again, that's 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 the risk you take with an outside in. I suspect all of this is working, and in these incredible rainfalls we've had, it. You can't make a house into a boat, uh, whether you uh, waterproof it from the outside or the inside. Sooner or later, it's going to overcome that system and water get into your house. And that's where most companies just say, look, just let the water come in. We'll collect it and pump it out. That we can reliably do. But if you're really trying to stop the water from coming through your house, I promise you Mother Nature will win. It may take her two years, two days, or 200 years. But you're yeah, actually, that's <laughs> another reason why we like this system. Before yeah, I liked, they, I would, I would do it in wall, addition to they something else. did an eight-inch strip of Melro down at four inches up on the wall, four inches over the footing. Yeah. They they did that first, and then they put they put the the big yeah. long thing on the wall itself. And the wall was, I know, was pretty clean. Um, you're right. And I need to move along. What's your question here? Yeah. Well, they had the, they they covered the footing too with this stuff. Okay. Well, the point is, the water's coming in, and I I just don't agree with 
anybody who thinks they can keep Mother Nature out. Mm-hmm. So, it, in, in, in it in it uh, of itself, I think what you did was a fabulous solution. I think you still need, for the type of rainfall we had, a collection mm-hmm. and removal system in addition to what you have. Yeah. Okay. You see what I mean? I mean, because we're talking about Noah's Ark type of rainfall thing. On the inside what is what you're saying. Yes, yes. Okay. And that's why so many companies just say, look, let's just put in a sump pump and pump it out. Because uh, expecting to keep water out of a concrete poured structure, my God, it's, it's not a boat, it's not a submarine. That foundation was built to hold up your house, not necessarily hold water out. Mm-hmm. So... That's you okay. Know, yeah, I, I think you did everything fine. Uh, there's more to be done if you're going to try and control water in the quantities and and pace that we received rain in the past month. Right. Right. Okay. All right, Scott. Thanks for your opinion. I appreciate right. it. Thanks, Ann. Bye, Bye now. now. Home improvement. Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's see who's been waiting. How about Gail? Let's get right to Gail. Hey, Gail. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Yeah. Hi, Scott. Um, I also have a water issue. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so quick background. The house was built in 1931. Okay. Um, I think the basement wall, like three of them are probably poured concrete because it looks like sand. Yeah. Um, some of the paint has come off. And, okay, then next thing, about 20-plus oh, years ago, we built a bedroom down there, and I wanted the, the bedroom to be built on a platform in case there was water in the basement. Okay. Um, and, of course, last week there was, uh, like yeah. 10 inches. So the carpeting has been torn out. About 12 inches of the drywall has been removed. The wet insulation has been pulled out. There were holes drilled into the plywood floor, the platform, to try to get air, you know, to yeah. go through there. So now we can see there's some mold on the um, wooden structure where the drywall had been attached. Okay, so the, I've got some questions. So uh, we're going to tear out the wall that is against the outside uh, of the house. Mm -hmm. The other two walls are interior. So should we do something to coat that old concrete, or should it just be allowed to be the air to get to it? Um, uh, when uh, When the rain came in the past month, it will come through a crack either between the floor and the wall or a crack in the concrete floor, crack in the wall. Uh, we're talking about huge quantities of water fast. That is not seeping through your concrete. It's um, being overrun with capacity removal. So, I mean, it's the cracks and the joints that failed on your basement on almost everybody I'm speaking with. That rapidity, how quickly the water came out of the sky, it just overwhelmed all collection, removal, and waterproofing systems. And that's what you're facing. So, yes, I would still 
coat that foundation, but you're not going to get much for it. It it slows down the water vapor that migrates normally, you know, to like today. It's just humid. Um, but when you're having wet plates and wet walls and, you know, I'm not a big fan of the platform system because that means water's trapped underneath that as well. Uh, so I like the drilling of the holes and all. Dry all that out, remove that outside wall. I would, just because I can, I would paint that wall with a waterproofing, but it's not going to stop this leak on any level. It just slows down the water vapor trying to dry through okay. that foundation. Okay. So then do we um, pull out the, the wood? I don't know what the words are for it. You know, the, where the drywall was attached and put new in or just treat, you know, what we can see, you know, where there is some mold. And then did those, does that wood go right up to the outer wall or should mm-hmm. there be a barrier? Well, uh, generally, if you can dry out that basement and keep it dry, you don't need to replace the framing because wood is a food source. If it gets wet again, then your mold comes back more quickly. So that's why sometimes they cut it out and replace the bottom plate or a few inches or whatever. Uh, You, um, uh, take out whatever you can afford to take out and leave the rest. But frankly, I'm just not a fan of any kind of a raised floor system because you just can't dry that out. Mm. You know what I mean? You're, what okay. You're all right. So, all right. So, what advice um, do you have for building in a a damp basement? Oh wow! <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, really, um, you know, or do as little as possible. If I'm in a damp basement. I'm probably going to propose painting the floor, painting the ceiling joists, painting the wall, um, leaving everything exposed, running electrical and conduit, painting that, uh, hanging lights from the ceiling. Uh, So basically make it as spiffed up a basement as I can, but I also want to know the smoking gun of exactly where the water comes every time, all the time, and your basement dries out the fastest each time. So it's not nearly as pretty. You can throw a carpet down on the floor, it gets Mm -hmm. wet, you haul it out, you get rid of it, get a new one. So in a wet basement like that, then less is more, in my opinion, because you put building materials down there, you're just feeding the mold with food source. Mm. Okay, so the walls and the floor should be paint because none of the floor in the basement is painted. It's all just right. concrete. And, and that's great. That's great because that'll dry, it'll get wet, and you can see where the water comes from if it comes up through the floor and all. So, uh, I, you know, finishing basements is uh, risky business unless you have put some real money into dewatering, waterproofing, and and moisture coating which is the paint the concrete part so all right is there a good kind of paint better than something else uh yeah there's a ugl dry lock dry lok or something like that these are crystalline paints that kind of react with and this is on raw concrete so if you have painted concrete that doesn't much do you any good this has to react with the lime in the concrete and the chemistry of that so that's okay. where I like dry lock, and there's another one I forget at the moment. Okay, so if the walls had already been painted, then I, that's not a good thing to use. 
Yeah, you don't get any moisture management with that. Just go ahead and repaint it with a, a latex paint. It'll be as good as anything. Okay. Yep. All right. All then. right. Thank Take you. Take care. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Get a little business done here. I'll be right back for more right after this. Is the KMOX Home Improvement Show presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair? Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And folks, thanks for joining me here this week. Uh, stay tuned. One o'clock is your retirement professional coming right up after news, weather, and sports. This afternoon, the Cardinals versus the Yankees pregame show right here on KMOX five twenty. Game time six fifty. So lots of things happening. Stay tuned. KMOX all day long. Uh, Kathleen and Mark, my apologies. Uh, ran out of time here. I've had some long, lengthy conversations. Good questions, good topics, a lot of water, moisture, roof. Golly, if you have a structure, a house, a basement, or a building, even just a shed, if it stayed dry, it's likely going to stay dry. But any flaw, any problem in the roof, the wall, the siding, the flashing, the windows, the ceiling, the gaskets, uh, even thresholds, my gosh, if it could leak, I promise you it did. And we talked about that. So anyway, great week, this uh, great show this week. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week right here on KMOX. Stay tuned, news, weather, and sports, and your retirement professionals next.